Good morning, everybody. Come on, come on. This is it. This is the last week of what do you believe? You did it. Come on, give yourselves a hand. You did it. <laughs> come on, first things first, I want to welcome in our Long Beach and Wiggins locations with us. They are joining us today for the sermon. So come on, go for it. Can we give it up for Long Beach and Wiggins? We're excited to have you guys with us today. Just want to kind of brag a little bit on uh, our pastors at each location. Uh, we, we were just joined with uh, the Ocean Springs for our worship. And uh, Pastor Stephen, he pastors our Ocean Springs location. Uh, Mike Menace is our pastor up at the Wiggins location. And uh, so come on to Wiggins, y'all give it up for Pastor Mike. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then over in Long Beach, uh, Pastor Michael Butterfield. Uh, and uh, he's doing okay too. He's, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Give it up for Pastor Micah. <laughs> and uh, look, we're just excited to be able to join together like this and uh, kind of conclude our series in What Do You Believe? Everybody watching online, again, welcome to church today. Um, uh, I just kind of want to give a shout out to all of you in Long Beach and Wiggins who are actually in the building today. Uh, I, I kind of bragged on the people here and in Ocean Springs a second ago, but, but today the cards were stacked against you. You had every excuse not to go to church. You had, it's Thanksgiving holidays, right? It's raining outside. I mean, who goes to church in the rain still? I don't know. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's holidays. You get, what was the other thing? Pandemic. pandemic. Oh, yeah. We're still in the middle of a pandemic, and that's happening. So, uh, but, but you're at church today, so it's good. It's good. But, uh, but I am excited. By the way, my name is Jordan. In case you don't know me, I'm the pastor here at Northwood Church. And uh, we, again, are wrapping up the series, What Do You Believe? It's been a four-month series that started back in February, got put on pause for about three months because of, again, the pandemic. And we kicked back into gear in September. And so now we are wrapping up today. So before we get into that, I wanted to share a couple of things with you. Um, we were able to do this week and very, very exciting things. Uh, number one is this. We actually went uh, to, to, in each location, in each area, in Ocean Springs, Long Beach, Gulfport, and in, and in uh, Wiggins, we were able to, uh, to give away groceries this week, about $8,000 worth of groceries to families in our community <laughs> for Thanksgiving. And uh, just a really special time to be able to do that. And then also on top of that, um, we, we announced last week that we were going to be taking 10% uh, of what we took in last week, plus $5,000, and donating it to the Surge Project because uh, what they do is they, they plant churches all over the world, literally tens of thousands of churches all over the world. Some churches are seven people on the side of a mountain in a little hut. And some churches are kind of more like our church, you know, churches like this, but they plant churches all over the world. And uh, there's some churches there in Nicaragua 
And obviously with the hurricane last week in the last couple, well, actually in the last two or three weeks now, uh, because of they, had, they had two horrible hurricanes that hit that area, we wanted to come alongside them and help them out. So this past week, we also are, uh, we're, we're sending $10,000 to the surge project to help out with a hurricane effort release there in uh, Nicaragua. So, so go ahead and give yourself a hand and thank God that we have the ability to, to bless people. I want you to know something that we're able to do things like that and much more because of the faithfulness of your giving here at Northwood Church. Uh, you know, one thing I believe about giving of your, your time, I believe that we should give of our time, our talents and our treasures, our money. And uh, I believe that it, it's actually what propels the kingdom forward in every church all over the world. It takes people giving sacrificially of their time, of the talents that they have that they can bring to the table and also of their money to continue to, 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 again, advance the gospel. And so we have extremely faithful people here at Northwood Church. And for all of you who give, I wanna say that we're thankful to you for do, compl- uh, continuing to do that. And uh, of course we give to a lot of different things uh, locally and globally, but that's just a couple today that we wanted to highlight and let you guys know about. So we're excited about that. But, um, but here we are, what do you believe? I feel like it's, uh, it's you remember whenever we walked through Romans last year and it was 16 weeks of Romans and we got to the end and you almost feel like that guy that's running the marathon and like his body is like just giving out. Have you ever seen that video and he's just like, like his legs won't work? You know, you're like stumbling to the end and somebody comes up and picks him up. We can do it, you know? I kind of feel sometimes with these series that it gets there where it's like, we can do it, we can finish. Um, and so some of you might, fin- might feel like that. Me personally, this has been one of the funnest series that I think that I've ever had the honor of teaching because we have literally talked methodically through what we believe as a church, what we believe um, as, as, as people, as Christians. And so uh, this is kind of my challenge to you. I know that a lot of you have missed a whole lot of weeks. Like just, I'll do, just, just play the odds. I know that a lot of you have missed a lot of weeks. And you know, what happens is you get one week and then you, you miss two weeks and then you get that fourth week and then you, you miss the first week of the next month and then you pick it up and, and it's kind of splintered. And so what happens is there, each message builds on the, ne- on the previous message. And so for a lot of you, some of the things that we've talked about seem maybe a little bit scattered or, or out of order or like, wait, what about this? And, and more than likely, you kind of missed one of the other messages where we, we covered that. And so this is what I want to encourage you to do. I know we have a whole lot of podcast listeners and, and uh, very, very intelligent people who like to research. I'd love to challenge you to go back and watch some of those sermons that you missed about what we believe. Um, also because of this, if you're a part of Northwood Church, I think it's important for you to know what Northwood Church believes. Like, what is this community about? You know, not every single church believes every single thing the same way. And so for us to be aligned and moving in the same direction, we've got to know what we believe. And I think of a lot of us know kind of like what we believe to a certain extent, but we definitely don't know why we believe it. We definitely don't know why we believe it. Like, like to the point where we could explain it to somebody else. Like where it's not just this subconscious kind of like, yeah, uh, uh, but can you literally talk through what you believe? And so the way that we built this series was if you were sitting across the table from somebody at Starbucks, uh, pre-COVID, sitting there having a good conversation, although the one in Ocean Springs is open, you can go sit there. Didn't know that. Can you sit at the one in Gulfport yet? 
You can. Y'all did? Did you take the chairs off the table? <laughs> Mr. Ken's like, I don't know why they put the chairs up. On the, put it down. Let's sit down. Let's talk, you know? They did. So, so hey, maybe we're, we're able to sit at Starbucks again. But, but, or if you're at somebody's house or maybe you're at school, at cafe, the cafeteria, and somebody says, why do you believe in God? How cool would it be if you could literally talk through that? And I know that a lot of you can, but I know that a lot of us, we sort of hesitate in that moment. We don't know what to say. We're not really sure how to articulate what we believe. And this series was built to help you start, maybe if you're even talking to an atheist, somebody who's far from God, who does not believe that there is a God, an agnostic who doesn't really believe in anything, although they believe that they don't believe in anything, right? To a deist, to a theist, right? We are a monotheistic religion. We believe, we believe that there is one God. His name is Jesus, right? right? But, but, but then we talked about what do you believe about God's attributes, and then we went into what do you believe about Jesus? We talked about how he is the Messiah, which is sort of a big deal, that he is God, which was really the thing that put him on the cross. Come on, because he claimed to be God. That was blasphemy. Y'all remember these messages? You know? And then we moved forward. We talked about the Holy Spirit last month. What we believe about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit isn't just uh, some sort of like mystical spooky thing. The Holy Spirit is God. We talked about the Trinity right? Which is, uh, everybody's got a complete understanding of that now that we talked about it one time, right? Good to go. All right. We talked about what the Holy Spirit does in us and that the Holy Spirit wants to do a lot through us, right? And this month we're talking about what do you believe about the church? Us, the church, the ecclesia, okay? In case you didn't know, like the church is not a building, the church is a people. And so we talked about who we are, that we are the family of God, I think the family is the best example to use when talking about the church. Not an organization, not a business, not a club, none of those things. Family. That we are the body of Christ. He is the head. We are his hands and feet. We are the body of Christ. But then we talked about what do we do? A lot of people... Whenever you talk about the church, they fast forward and they want to have a conversation about methods. How do you do church? Whenever people picture church, they picture like maybe it's a setting like this, or maybe they picture a steeple and hymnals, right? Or, or, or whatever. People have different styles and methods of doing church. But as we are the church, we've got to start with our identity. We're the family. And then we move forward into missiology, our mission. And we establish that our mission is that we exist to build Christ-centered communities that help people. We don't make people. We help people know God, grow in Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That's what we're doing. And so, so the, the, the third week, last week, we actually talked about discipleship. Disciples, that we are disciples. All of us are disciples. If we're believers, we're disciples who make disciples. All right, we're, we're not just disciples who sit dormant on a, on a chair once a week, and then we just go live our lives. No, we, we, are, we are both being discipled, and we must, as disciples, be discipling others, be leading others. And today, we're going to talk about what do we do, part four, as the church? What do you believe about the church, part four? Is that we tell people about Jesus. We go. We are evangelizers, okay? And that's a weird word most of us don't use. Actually, the word evangelize is 
if I say that, most of you just think about some sort of uh, uh, demographic in regards to voting. <laughs> well, yes, I'm an evangelizer. That's the evangelical, okay? That's what that voting uh, thing is, demographic is. But that's a lot of times what we think of whenever we hear that word. Or evangelize, we think of someone who goes and evangelizes and, and tells a lot of different people about Jesus. But, but today, I, I kind of want to break this word down. And this is my goal for you. My goal is that you today would walk out of this room, that you would log off the internet today, and that you would feel a mandate and a responsibility that you are the one who goes. Not somebody else, you. But our going... How we go, our going flows from our knowing and our growing, right? Some people, they might even, I don't want to say get this out of order because it's not necessarily that way, but, but some people it's like, I got to go, I got to go, but, but yet they don't really know God yet. And, and, and they haven't really begun to grow in Christ to the point where if they go, they actually know why they're going, and with what they're going. And so today I hope to kind of bring some context around those things for you. And uh, we're gonna wrap this thing up. So let's define evangelism. <clears throat> define evangelism. De evangelism means to preach the gospel. Literally, it's like what the dictionary says. To preach the gospel. It's really close to our word missionary, which uh, missionary, if you say missionary, all of you right now, you just pictured somebody else in another country in the jungles somewhere, being a missionary. Um, and, and that's not a proper use of that term. It's not, it's not really all that that term means. You need to realize today that you are a missionary. It, like you don't, it's, it's sort of like, you know, just because you leave the country doesn't mean that you become a missionary and when you come back, you're not a missionary anymore. Okay, you are a missionary. If you are a believer, you are a missionary. Now, the Bible talks about this, this uses this word um, evangelize uh, in, in different ways, and, and it really means to preach or to proclaim. And I wanted to share some scriptures with you to kind of bring, some, uh, bring an idea of what this word looks like in the Bible, because sometimes we read, and we're not really thinking about the individual words that we're reading, but many of you have read these scriptures. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. There's that word. Colossians 1.28, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Acts 8.4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. 1 Corinthians 1.23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles. How many of you, how many of you have ever talked to anybody who believed that... Uh, Jesus was just kind of like a big joke, right? See, to the Jews, Jesus is a stumbling block. He is the Messiah. To Gentiles, to everybody else, it sounds foolish. It sounds foolish. And I think that's why we should know what we believe because we've got to be able to articulate that it's not foolish what we believe. But this is something that we as believers are mandated to do, all right? So, so today, all the things that we talk about, these are not optional, all right, this isn't like, okay, you know, today I'm just talking to Long Beach and everybody in Gulfport is exempt. Okay, Wiggins, you guys just don't worry about this. This is just for, you know, Long Beach. We're just putting all the evangelization responsibility on one location. Same thing in a church, in a building like this. This mandate is not just for me. 
okay? It's not just for a pastor who gets paid to do something, all right? It's way bigger than that. This is for all of us. And so I wanna answer the first question, why do we need to evangelize? Why do we need to evangelize? Good question. I'm glad that you all asked that question. Why do we need to evangelize? Well, I quickly wanna answer it like this. If all that we have talked about over the last three and a half months, if all of that is true through this series, then how can we not? If you believe all that we've talked about, how can you not have this thing inside of you that feels like you've got to be in a conversation. You've got to be preaching, not on a stage, but preaching, proclaiming the gospel. How can you not, unless maybe we don't really believe it. Maybe the belief is cognitive, but it doesn't actually cross the threshold into our behavior. Have you ever believed something and you believed it up here, but like it didn't actually affect the way that you lived? I think there's a really serious question that we have to ask at that point is, do I really believe it? Because if I believe something, but it doesn't affect the way that I live, I think the best it could be is just some sort of religious system, some sort of religious approach. You understand what I'm saying? So, so if we believe all of these things, then not only is it some sort of rule or mandate that's put upon us, actually it's something inside of us that says, I've got to let somebody know about this. I've got to learn more. I've got to get this out of me. Second Corinthians says this in chapter five, Paul says, and all of this, basically all of this, the good news, the gospel is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God brought, him, brought us back to himself in Christ, through Christ, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. It's very important for us to remember again that we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But I'd like to take it a step further. Sin is just not something that you do. You commit sin. It's something that you really are. Like you are sinful. Amen. Amen. So encouraging today. You are a wretch. We talked about this last week a little bit. Like left to yourself, you are always going to trend towards sin, towards division, towards destructive behavior. You can't help it. It's literally in your genetic coding. Your nature is sinful. So we've not only committed sins, but we, we are born in sin. Again, this is just for Long Beach today. They're just, they were born in sin, not so much over here. Amen, amen. So if this is true, how are we reconciled back to God? How Adam and Eve, this, this thing happened in the garden, sin entered in, divided everybody. We lost intimacy with God. We lost closeness with God. And we also lost closeness with one another. So how do we get reconciled? What heals that brokenness? Romans 3 says it. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. 
And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Come on, be encouraged today. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you come from. I don't care how good you've been or how bad you've been, right? It doesn't matter who you are. This, what we're talking about is true for you, for everyone who believes. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, but God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. Jesus appeased the wrath of God on the cross. He appeased his wrath. He has, he has been the perfect sacrifice. And because of that, he actually freed us from the penalty of sin that we rightfully deserved. Can, can you admit today that you rightfully deserve death? Get to the point where you can write, like, like, like joyfully admit that. But because of Jesus, you've been freed. The penalty is no longer hanging over your head. It's not. That's good news, y'all. God made a way back to himself through Jesus. Jesus takes on the condition of sin, which is what we sort of refer to the nature of sin as, a condition of sin that we're born into. And Jesus handles what we cannot handle. And so here's the deal. As far as being made right with God, you are made right with God not because of your righteousness, but because of Jesus's righteousness. The Bible talks about how we put on the righteousness of Christ. We put it on, like just picture putting on a cloak. Come on, the prodigal son, when he came back, there was a robe that was put over him. I just picture a nice clean robe going over the filth of himself, right? He had been in a pigsty for a long time. The dude stank, all right? He wasn't just stinky, he stank, like it was bad. And his dad put a robe around him and said, I don't care where you've been. It doesn't matter. That's what Jesus does for us. So now we're saved. If you're a believer, if you believe in this message, you're saved. You were lost and now you're found, right? You've been redeemed. You've been restored, reconciled back to God. And check this out, 2 Corinthians chapter five. And he gave us, believers, all of us here today, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. I'm excited that, that we, can, we can actually be happy about the message that we have to give. Some people look at the gospel and they look at, at evangelizing as this big negative thing. Like it's, man, you're just, it's, it's, it's really negative message that you're bringing to the table for people. I look at it as a life-saving message, right? One that God has, like he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. This message is of how God has brought us back to himself. Not about how he has wrath against people, the kindness of God is what leads people to repentance, right? The good news of Jesus, the gospel is what we're talking about right here. So we, verse 20, we are Christ's ambassadors. We're ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. A few things I wanna talk about here. First off, we have the honor to be ambassadors of Christ. We, it's, an, it's an honor to carry this message of reconciliation. 
You gotta look at, like, look at your life like that. You are a carrier of the good news. You are a carrier of this message of reconciliation. And it's an honor. He calls us an ambassador. Y'all know what an ambassador is. I'm not going deep into this today, but an ambassador literally lives in a different country, but as a representative of the country that they come from. They might be in an, an embassy. That's literally, that soil is like a U.S. embassy in another place. It's literally U.S. soil. And that person speaks on behalf of the president, really on behalf of the whole nation. You are ambassadors of Christ in this world. Like, like that's where you're at right now. We together, we're actually not, like this isn't our home. Like we are of the kingdom of God. That is the kingdom that we prioritize our life by, not this kingdom. So we are ambassadors for Christ every day, right now, in this kingdom of the world. That's why you never feel like you completely fit in. Because you don't. You just don't completely fit in. Jesus said that the the world would hate us, y'all. So why do we get surprised whenever it seems like things are, are positioned and postured against Christian principles? Why does that surprise us? I can't believe. Really? <laughs> like, do you read the Bible? Like, I think it's, I'm like, I'm surprised it took this long. Like, that's where I'm at. I'm like, well, this is what's to be expected. I expect over the next few years that for us to read the word of God, just straight up read the Bible, that some very negative things are gonna take place. I believe that reading the word of God eventually will be labeled hate speech. And there will be citations given out. And I, why? Well, it's happened so many times. It's not, it's not surprising. This message of reconciliation, the enemy despises it. Despises it. Isn't this wonderful? Be encouraged, y'all. This is why we must evangelize. This is why we must be carriers of the gospel and proclaim good news. But... Who is supposed to evangelize? It's a big question right here. Who is supposed to evangelize? Again, is it just Long Beach? You know, right? How about this? It's, it's the pastor. And this is a big one, y'all. And this is something that we're seeking to, to break down in this series is this whole understanding, this idea that permeates our, our world that like, when somebody gets paid to do something, that's when they have the responsibility to do it. And it's damaging to the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter what your job is, your career is. It doesn't matter how old you are, none of that. The responsibility to evangelize, a responsibility to be a light in the darkness, it's a responsibility for all of us, all of us. Come on right now, I just say, okay. This is for me, this is for me, right? You have the responsibility, I have the responsibility. Wiggins, you have the responsibility too. It's not just Long Beach, it's all of us. We have this responsibility together. He gave us this message of reconciliation. Again, we talked about how I am not the church and you are not the church, but we are the church. Collectively, together, we make up the body of Christ. So how do we evangelize? We know that we're all supposed to evangelize, but how do we evangelize? And, and I, think, I think a couple of things. I think some people 
feel like they don't know enough to go and proclaim. I feel like they just don't know enough. We're gonna get into that here in a moment. But I also feel like others think that in order to proclaim, in order to, in order to evangelize, like you need some sort of pulpit or some sort of ministry platform in order to evangelize. And although like that might be true to a certain extent for some people, depending upon what God is calling them to do, that does not decide who is to proclaim or what it's supposed to look like. We have to like, like redefine in our mind what it looks like to be evangelists. You evangelize, we evangelize every day. You're evangelizing people every day, primarily by the way that you live. Did you know that? Like, maybe that's why sometimes we don't wanna tell a lot of people what we believe because then we'll be accountable to actually live out what we said we believed, right? Like, like wow, you know, man, you said that you believe in Jesus, but like your life looks nothing like it. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you sleep around, like all you do is party. Like you, you lie. Man, you, you, see, I've, I've watched you steal stuff. Like how can you, like, hmm? You're not a loving person. Because our actions, come on, y'all, they do speak louder than our words. Now, it doesn't mean that we're gonna bat a thousand all the time. All right, that's unrealistic as well. However, it, it, like, it, it, should, it should do something in us. It, it, like, these words should kind of like say, man, how am I living? Am I really evangelizing people by the way that I live? First Peter said, beloved I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Basically, like let them say stuff and then let your actions disprove and discount what they're saying. That way they, like, they have nothing against you. You're like, man, you, you said all that, but that's a lie. That's not how I live my life. That's, you, you, where'd that come from? You ever, you ever hear something that comes around? Um, this just happened a few weeks ago with somebody, but uh, it was some information got back to us about, about somebody in our family. And uh, it was so ludicrous that we literally just laughed. <laughs> it's just like, what? Like people are bored. Like, I guess, because they're saying stuff. But I think about that when it comes to scriptures like this. Like, live in such a way that if somebody says something about you, that people are literally like, <laughs> oh, man, that's not him. Like, that's just not how he lives his life. Like, I don't know who said that, but they don't know what they're talking about. Live in that way. You need to know this, that every day you are behind a pulpit. And your pulpit is your life. Y'all like soapboxes, huh? Right, your soapbox, that's your life, man, how you live. Yeah, like what you post on, on social media. Like there's your soapbox, there's your ministry platform. How well are you doing? What kind of message are you putting out there? Your Snapchat, what's it look like, young people? Come on. You, should, <laughs> you like, 
and that church, and then like, like the rest of your life, just like, oh gosh, just don't post it. Please just don't post. Just, just. Right? At some point, there's gotta be change, right? We talked about what does it mean to be a disciple? This is one of those things. You are, you are standing behind a pulpit every day in the way that you live your life. What, is, what are you preaching? What message are you preaching? What sermon are you teaching every day? What does it look like? What does it sound like? One last thing before we get to this last part of the message. The primary people that you are preaching to are those that are in your circle. Right now, I want you all to think about the people in your life that you know, family, friends, coworkers, people that you're close to who you know are far from God. You might not know if they're saved or not. You, you might not, not know that, but you, but you just know in the way that they live, in the way that they talk, in, in, in the way that they hope, you know that they are lacking hope in Jesus. I want you to think about them. They might be sitting next to you, I don't know. I want you to realize right now that your responsibility, the mandate that God has given you to be a reconciler lies on you for those people. So many times we talk about these things conceptually, but it never, they never, there's no handles to it. There's no handles. No, literally, you already have people in your life right now that you are called to go to. They're already there. They're all around you. Some of you have actually gotten used to the relationship and you've forgotten that, they're, that they are lost. Like you've become friends and now you're no longer on mission because they're your friend. And so you've grown accustomed to this connection with them and you've lost the burning in your heart that w- what happens when their heart stops beating? So what happens, we get, we get conditioned just to accept things. But other times you've got to live in front of people for a very, very, very long time. I think about my parents all the time whenever we, think, whenever we talk about this. They got saved in 1980, 1980. Went to their whole family. We got saved. Some of them were like, okay. Others of them were very angry. One said, I'm going to get a shotgun out of my closet right now and you better be gone by the time that I get back or I'm gonna kill you. Except I don't think he was smiling. He wasn't smiling. There's probably a few expletives in there as well, right? Not everybody's gonna be happy that you got saved. And so guess what? For the next 20, 30, 40 years, it's just live right, live right. Preach the message from your pulpit of your life. And it's amazing to see what God has done. It's amazing. For some of you, you need to actually speak it out and and, and break the ice. For others of you, you've broken the ice, but you need to live it out. Continue to live it out. Don't grow weary in that. But you are sent to those around you. You're sent to those around you. So some don't feel equipped to evangelize. Some don't feel like, like, like some of you right now, you're like, yeah, I'd love to go, but I'm, I'm afraid that I won't know what to say. Like, what do I, yeah, what are you equipped with? This is what you need to know. 
As a believer, number one, you are equipped with your story. Your story, your experience with God. If you are saved, you have a story of how God drew you out of darkness, right? Pulled you out of the pit and set your feet on a rock. Like you have a story. You have an experience right now. And don't demean that story. Don't, uh, don't get tired of telling that story. Use that story. L- rehearse that story. I don't know how many of you guys are like self-talkers. Like what I mean by that is you, you just talk to yourself a lot. I do that. Do you ever practice telling somebody how you got saved? You ever practice that? You know, I mean, start in your car by yourself or in your shower by yourself, you know, nobody's there. But just practice telling somebody about how you got saved, sharing your experience. That way, whenever it's time to share your experience, you're not fumbling around. Well, like, uh, was I 10 or was I 14? Oh no, I was 24, you know? (laughs) You haven't really thought about it lately, you know? Like, 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 your story is powerful. Mark 5 says this, Jesus, by the way, is, is, is doing his ministry and he comes upon this man who's possessed by demons. Uh, and and um, this is the same guy where they cast out the demons and it went to the pigs, that whole story. So this guy, pick up in verse 18. It says, as he was getting into the boat, some of you who don't know that story, you're like, what did he just say casually and just kept going? What, <laughs> pigs? Go read Mark 5 and, and you, you catch up. But the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. Jesus, I wanna be with you. This man's life was ruined by the enemy. Jesus heals him. Verse 19, he did not permit him, but said to him, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. He said, no, I don't want you to come with me to the next town. What you need to go do is you need, like, like, Jesus was a rabbi. He's traveling around these large crowds. So this guy's like, man, let's go. Like, I'm gonna be, like, I'll be your hype man, you know? Can you imagine Jesus is in the green room waiting to come out and this guy comes out and says, you know, like, I was full of demons. I cut myself. They were called legion because there were so many of them inside of me. Some of you, <laughs> you don't know the story. It sounds really weird. It's, it's true though, basically, it's what happened. And it, 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 he cast them out of me into a pigs, all the pigs, and they ran off a cliff. And I ruined these people's lives, basically. But they wanted me to leave. But God, you know what I'm saying? Like he could hype it up. And then Jesus would come out, you know, and preach this great message. And Jesus said, no, I don't want you to do that. I don't need a hype man. I want you to go back to your family and your friends and tell them what happened. This guy didn't go through seminary, right? He didn't have time to like work out all the facts and the figures and all the theological verbiage and blah, 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 right? Some of you think that that's what you gotta, you gotta wait for. No, no, no. Jesus said, go tell them what God did in your life. I wanna encourage some of you today. Go tell some people what God has done in your life how he's redeemed you, how he's restored you. Some of you, your marriage was done. It's done. Miraculously, God healed your marriage. Go tell some people because basically everybody's marriage is all jacked up. Go tell some people, right? Go tell people how much God has done in your life. Your story builds faith in people and in yourself of God's ability to restore and to free people and to redeem people. 
And you need to know that other people are gonna find healing in your wounds. Other people will find healing in your wounds. The thing that you don't wanna let people know about because you're still kind of ashamed of it, but God's really done a great work in you. Like, I think the greatest testimony is having the, the, getting to a place in your relationship with God and being healed to a place where you actually aren't ashamed of that anymore, but you can freely share that with other people. And other people will find healing in your wounds. Your most effective ministry will come out of your deepest hurts. You're looking for a platform? Look for the pain in your life. Look for the, th the things that hurt the most. And let God use that for his glory to reveal himself to some other people. Every time that we do a freedom conference, we show a, a series of stories that we have from people who have attended here at the church. And every time that I see the stories, uh, I, I almost personally, I get emotional because they're so powerful. Stories of people's lives that, that God has literally changed. Where, where, like, you know, one lady shares her story where her brothers, they, they didn't make the same choice to follow Jesus as she did and their lives uh, just went down a, a really dark path and her life has gone in the complete opposite direction. A story of redemption where God restored all those things that were completely broken. It's the same thing with you today. There is hope, there is healing in Jesus. Your experience with God is, is unique and powerful. And I wanna encourage you, don't be ashamed of where you are today. Number two though, as a believer, you are equipped with your theology, your understanding. You're equipped with your story, your experience, and you're also equipped with your theology. I think it's so important for believers to know again why we believe what we believe. Come on, y'all. It's so important. We start where we don't have a lot of verbiage and we can't really truly articulate all the things. That, have you ever heard somebody, maybe you're that somebody, and you're, like, you're trying to explain like how you got saved and, and like, you're like, it's sort of like, I don't know, man, I, like I just had this, this, one day I just understood, like God loved me and it was, like, I don't know, man, it just, everything changed. And like, you know, you're grasping for words. And you know, somebody that's well-versed in the word of God might say, well, yes, that was the Holy Spirit that revealed God to you. And now as you open up the, the word of God, he, he makes it come alive. The words literally come alive, you know, logos and rhema, and it comes alive. And, and, and then he begins this process after he's justified you, he process, this process of sanctification and, and empowering you to go do the work of the ministry. And for, for some people, it's like, What'd you just say? I don't know what you just said, but I know that it's, it's good. There's some people who are, are here, okay? And there's other people who are over here and, and in this room and watching online, all locations, we're all over the place. We're all over the place. Some of us are, are we're babes in Christ. We've just started this journey and others we've been around for 20, 30 years. And to expect someone who's been saved for two or three years to be able to articulate and act and be exactly like somebody who's been saved for 30 years is unfair and spiritually abusive, okay? So we're not gonna be a church that's spiritually abusive. However, we're not gonna be dormant, stagnant people who just are good with staying in the beginner level, right? We're drinking milk. We gotta eat some meat, come on. 
So in our lives, we must grow in our theological understanding of who God is. Your understanding of God is just as important as your experience with God. Some people grow in their understanding of God before they have an experience with God. They're kind of like, what do you, like I intellectually have to approach this belief system. Others, it's like the intellect gets in the way and they just want to experience. We, we are all built differently. However, either way, I believe that each and every one of us should have an, a, an experience with God and we should have an understanding of God. It's both and not either or. Second Peter says, you therefore beloved, Knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. Grow in, in your experience of God and grow in your understanding of God. Yes, literally study, research. Based upon the last couple of years, I know that basically all of you have the ability to research and study because some of you know the constitution and all of a sudden you're an epidemiologist. <laughs> Boom, right? Like, but it's like, wait, is it Moses or Noah? Um, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? I thought demons were fake, but then you're just read there and said that Jesus talked about demons. What? Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Some people, all they want is an experience with God, but we've got to grow in our understanding of God and our understanding of the word and all of these things. It's so important. So you may know what you believe, but we've got to grow in our understanding of why we believe it. I think a very important question about this too is, is how can you effectively evangelize and disciple people if you don't grow in your understanding of God? And I think this kind of hits up against something that maybe we deal with. Some people actually don't feel like it's very important to go to that next level of understanding the word and being able to articulate it because they really don't plan on going telling anybody. So I learned how to play guitar when I was like 10 years old. And uh, I learned piano a little bit before that. And um, I just kind of had like this understanding of music built up in my head. I took two years of piano and I hated it because I just wanted to like, do what I wanted to do. And, um, but I had some basic music theory. And, but, but I, so I learned the guitar and I learned the guitar in a certain framework of mind, sort of made up my own understanding. And it worked, it sounded good but I had never taught anybody how to play the guitar until I was about 18. <laughs> uh, started teaching Josh. Uh, that's a funny story I'll say for another day. But anyway, so um, sweaty hands, like really, really sweaty hands, nervous, nervous, nervous. But I realized something very quickly is that I had never articulated how to play the guitar to somebody before. And so I actually had trouble explaining it to him. So you know what I had to do? I had to pick up the basic music theory book that I told his parents to go get. And I had to open it up and I had to relearn how to say and explain something that I had been doing for like close to a decade. Some of you, you have this raw experience with God. 
You have this raw understanding of the gospel and the good news and, and, and you read the Bible and you have this understanding, but like until you go to tell somebody and explain it, you actually don't realize where your threshold is of knowledge. I think that, that, that we should be able to basically explain the gospel in, in, in just a few, few words, a few sentences, a few scriptures, a few moments with someone. But if we aren't in practice with that, or if we haven't gone back to the basics, if we've graduated on to all the more spiritual things, right? Then we can't effectively evangelize. We can't effectively do what God has called us to do. So we wanna experience God, but we've gotta know him in order to effectively disciple and evangelize people. First Peter three, and this is, we're gonna be closing right now. First Peter three says, but in your hearts, Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. As we close this series and what do you believe? We open the series with this verse, 1 Peter 3. And I wanna close it with this verse, because I think this sort of wraps up the heart of what we wanna do as Christians. We wanna revere Christ as Lord. That he is God, he is creator, he is over all things, working in everything. And we live prepared to always give an answer to everyone who asks, why do you believe what you believe? What is the hope that you have? Everybody else is freaking out about what's going on in our nation, but for whatever reason you aren't, why? Man, whenever we hang out, it just is different. Why? The hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Whenever you know what you believe, you don't have to be up in arms about it. You don't have to be defensive about it. You can lovingly, with gentleness and respect, explain to somebody why you believe what you believe. And love them enough to be patient enough with them as they work through all of their issues and all of their background and all of their shame and all the things that you've had to work through as a believer. That you would approach that relationship in the same way. So today I wanna to commission you in conclusion to go and be the church. As you go in your everyday life, realize that you have been mandated, not by me, by God himself, to be reconcilers of God to man. Jesus reconciled us back to himself. And now he has given us this opportunity to do the same thing. We go as representatives of Jesus Christ. We are on mission for Jesus every day in the way that we live. And we're gonna do this until he returns. There's no other option. This is the call. This is the mandate. As a believer, you've already said yes. I just want you to know what you said yes to. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. All locations, let's stand up.
As we close today, I wanna read some scripture. And I want you to take this as as a, a commissioning for you, as a calling for you. For some of you, God's actually convicted you strongly today. He's really shown you that you've been lacking some, some follow through. You've been lacking some, some of that factor, that, that boldness that you needed to step out. But today you feel like, man, I didn't realize that I'm equipped with my story. I might need to grow my theology and my understanding a little bit more, but I'm already equipped. You gotta realize that as you go, you go in the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't go in your own strength. You don't go, go in your own talent and ability. You go because God told you to go. And the beautiful thing is that, that He says He'll be with you as you go. But this scripture in Matthew, I think speaks to us and will close us up here today. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're salt, be salt. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand. They put it on a pulpit, come on y'all, right? The way that you live your life is you're behind the pulpit every day. Don't, Don't hide the lamp. It gives light to all in the house. It gives light to all those people that are around you. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and they'll give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Come on right now. Let's all close our eyes. All locations right now, let's just lift up our hands. God, right now we receive this mandate. We receive this call to go. God, to proclaim who you are, to proclaim your goodness, to proclaim freedom to the captives. You've anointed us for this, Jesus. And today, God, we receive that call. We receive that mandate and we say yes. We say yes. Come on, if you've been kind of shirking your responsibility in this area, if you know that you've had opportunities that God has has placed people in your life and you sort of just, sort of, you've just been distracted or maybe you've gotten used to just not going. Right now, just say, God, would you fill me with your spirit again? Would you fill me with boldness again to go? Father, to evangelize, to proclaim, and God, to be committed to disciple, to lead people through this process. Father, I say yes to you right now. God, we as a church, we wanna be known as a community of people who are not only disciples, but who are making disciples, who don't just know you, but are helping others to know you. God, who don't just know you, but are growing in you, are growing in Christ. God, give us strategy, give us understanding, give open up the floodgates of, of, of vision for us to do so, God. In our community, God, would you help us to be salt and light, God, to such a place that we impact this area just by who we are, Father, as believers. God, we're, we won't fear. God, we won't fear tomorrow. God, we won't fear what, what politically might happen. God, we are grounded in you. We are built up in you. God, our, we are not uh, built upon sand, but God, we are built upon the rock who is Jesus. And our faith is sure. Our eyes are set on you. God, we are gonna do this to the, way, the day that we die or you come back. God, we are committed to your call. So Father, right now, fill us up, God. Fill us with your spirit. 
Come on right now, let's just begin to worship Jesus. Come on, He is worthy of all praise, of all honor and all glory. This is the message that we sing. God, would you be lifted up? Be lifted up, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. Let's sing it out. you guys for being with us at church this morning. It's been a great day. Before we dismiss, I have a couple things I want to share with you. First of all, my name is Jessica. I'm one of the team members here at Northwood Church. I want to direct your attention to our next steps card. You're going to find this card in the seat pocket in front of you. If you just pray that prayer with Pastor Jordan, if you've recently given your life to God, or maybe today's your first day here at Northwood, you haven't really gotten plugged in yet, this is the card I want you to pull out. I want you to fill this card out. And then as you leave today, if you'll drop it off at our next steps area, it's in the back of the auditorium. There's some friends back there. They're gonna take this card from you. They'll be available to answer some questions you might have. And then this is gonna get to our pastors this week. And what they're gonna do is they're gonna contact you and they're just gonna start a genuine conversation about what it looks like to take your next step with God and your next steps here at Northwood Church. So highly encourage you guys to do that. Um, have a couple other things I wanna share. We have some really cool opportunities this month to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The last two weeks we've been um, gathering donations for Camping for Hope right here in the back of our auditorium. And this Saturday, December 5th, we're gonna get to activate that. The word is activate for me today. We're gonna get to activate um, and serve our community with Camping for Hope. So we actually need some volunteers to come out there and serve. So if you're interested in doing that, jump on our website, northwood.church slash Camping for Hope. It's an incredible opportunity to serve the homeless community right here in coastal Mississippi. So we invite you guys to do that. If you're interested, just jump on our website. The other really cool opportunity that we have to serve is we're gonna be doing a toy drive. Um, it, we have connected with a company called Canopy Children's Solutions. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna bring toys, unwrapped new toys here to the Gulfport campus for kids ages two to 17. And whenever you bring your toy, you can just actually put it under our Christmas tree in our North Lobby. Just slide the gift right under there. Um, between this Sunday through December 6th, 
sorry, December 13th, you guys can do that. So feel led to bless the children here locally um, during this Christmas season and we'll do it collectively as a church. So super excited about that. That's all I have for you guys today. Have an incredible Sunday and we'll see you guys next week.